0: Welcome to Faith Seeking Understanding, a place dedicated to the discussion of Christian faith in 21st century life. C.S. Lewis said, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun has risen, not only because I see it, but because by it I see everything else. So join us as we endeavor to understand 21st century life through the lens of Christian faith. I'm your host, Alan Bevere, pastor, professor, author, and lover of Five Alarm Food. Come and seek with me. but I had never heard of Zoe and uh, I got to tell you it's one of the best missions I have ever seen as far as uh, how we can help and then what they do uh, with the money that we give to them so I would encourage you to prayerfully consider supporting this important mission let us pray Now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our God, our wisdom, our salvation. Amen. Have you ever felt like at a particular time uh, that your side of the story wasn't told? you ever been in a situation where someone heard your words and then when the story of what you said got back to them, you wondered how in the world someone thought you said that. You know, we always say it's a popular thing. There are two sides to every story. Well, actually, in most stories, there's more than two sides. There can be three or four or five or several stories. And we all have stories. And it's important that those stories be told and that they be heard, and that not only that my story is told, but that I'm willing to listen to the stories of others and refrain from telling them, no, that's actually not how your story goes. Let me, let me tell you what your story means. Our Old Testament reading for this morning, David's encounter with Bathsheba, is told from a particular perspective from the writer of this material. And this story really casts David in a very negative light and holds David accountable. And as the story goes, when the kings go off to war, the writer tells us, and David for some reason doesn't go off with his army to war, we're not told why, I suppose that's not important, but he's up on the roof of his house one day, no doubt he's got a bird's eye view of the city of David, the city of Jerusalem. And he catches sight of a woman on the roof of her house, and we're told she's bathing. Um, some uh, medieval art uh, portrays her in bathing in a tub, probably not. Uh, actually, bathtubs didn't even get common until the end of the 19th, beginning of the 20th century, up until 100 or so years ago, most people uh, washed themselves by sponge baths. And that's probably what she's doing. And we know the story. David sees her and he wants her. And so he brings her to the palace. And a few, probably a few weeks later or so, he gets the news from Bathsheba that she is pregnant. And now David seeks to hide the evidence, but the only way to hide the evidence is to bring her husband Uriah back from the front, to give him a furlough. Because if he brings Uriah back, Uriah will do what most couples do when they haven't seen each other in a while. But boy, you got to admire Uriah. I mean, if you're a commander of the army, you want a soldier like Uriah, right? I mean, he's not... My men, my commander and my men, they don't, they're out there and they're living in tents and they're fighting and they're putting their lives at risk. How can I enjoy my life in these few days? And so he refuses to go to his house. He sleeps at the door of the king with the servants. You You gotta admire his loyalty, his commitment. And so then David is left to do what seems as his last option. He sends Uriah back to the front and he commands his commander to abandon Uriah in the fighting and Uriah is killed. And one of the great ironies of the story is Uriah actually carries the message himself, the death message. Who hasn't told their story here? Who doesn't get to tell their story? Wouldn't you love to hear Bathsheba's perspective? My, uh, I have a Bible app, New Revised Standard Version. And the heading uh, at the beginning of chapter 11 says, David commits adultery with Bathsheba. Is that the word? I mean, I suppose in one sense, from David's perspective, I guess it is adultery because he's married to other women. By the way, when you read the David cycle, he's a collector of women. His son Solomon is worse. And he doesn't seem to have a whole lot of affection for there's nothing in the text that tells us he's got a whole lot of affection for his wives. But is adultery, I mean, look what's going on here. First of all, he sends soldiers to get Bathsheba. Now, if you're Bathsheba, are you going to say no to soldiers who say the king wants to see you? Of course you're not. Because remember, this is a world where the king gets what the king wants. And once she gets to the palace, no doubt, and she realizes what's going on, can she really resist? I mean, she might plead with David, or she might try to decline, but ultimately, she knows that David can make life miserable for her and her family. And so she probably submits which is not the same thing as consent. What would we call this today if a CEO or a politician used their power and used their influence to make these kinds of advancements towards someone else? I don't think adultery is the right word. I mean, I know we'd like to save, we want to. I mean, we, no one justifies David's behavior, but we kind of like to minimize it a little bit if we could. So no one calls it assault. I think that's the better word. And if Bathsheba could tell this story, what what would she say? We know that a high percentage of women don't report sexual assaults because they're afraid of what will happen. They all of a sudden become the guilty party, right? Well what was she wearing? And a lot of that artwork in the history of the church presents Bathsheba bathing in provocative ways and poses. I mean, if she just hadn't been on the roof, naked, taking a sponge bath. But you know what? Everybody did that. Roofs in in ancient Israel were flat and they were often used. Stairwell outside the house, on the outside, up to the roof, and they were used for all kinds of things, including maybe going up there to cool off in the daytime with the breezes. And so Bathsheba is doing nothing out of the ordinary. It's just that David, because he's got the highest house, has a bird's-eye view. And so what would Bathsheba say she could tell her story. And I sometimes wonder, and we don't know this, but of course after Uriah is killed, and by the way when Nathan comes to David uh, with his little parable and uh, when David gets angry at the rotten scoundrel who took one lamb from a poor man and says you're the guy... There's nothing in the text anywhere that suggests Bathsheba has any responsibility for what has happened to her. This is David and David alone. But what would Bathsheba say? You know, I wonder, I'll get back to what I was wondering, I got a little off track there. I wonder... If after Bathsheba had been one of the wives of King David over the years and maybe she got the courage at some point to say to him one night, let me tell you how you ruined my life. You had my husband killed. You completely changed everything. And I had no choice in the matter. Let me tell you how you have ruined my life. How do we feel when we don't get to tell our story? How do we feel when, we f- when, when someone's version of events we don't agree with, but we're not allowed to give our perspective? By the way, I think that is happening today. I think that in large part explains the tensions that we are feeling in our society over the last five, six years. It's actually been more than that. It's come to a head lately. You know, in, in the early 1990s, I was, uh, I was a pastor in the old Worcester District, right, before we reduced districts and renamed them all. And one of the things that I was doing for the district, uh, because I was very interested in demographics and, and how demographics play an important role in churches knowing their communities so they know, they know how to minister. And so the district had asked me if I'd go around to churches and present this thing about demographics and all of that. And so I did a lot of work, did a lot of research. And now this is 30 years ago. And they were saying two trends. Everybody was saying it. Everybody. There was no disagreement. Everybody who drilled down in the numbers, drilled down in the, in the uh, projections, said two things. Number one, we're aging. And number two, we are becoming more ethnically diverse. And within the next generation, that's 30 years ago, within the next generation, the biggest crisis that we will argue about will concern race. You know, the title of this sermon is what does love have to do with it? What's love got to do with it? I'm sorry Tina Turner couldn't be here today. (laughs) What's love got to do with it? What's love got to do with David? Nothing. Other than love of himself and being selfish. He doesn't do what he does because he loves Bathsheba. He certainly doesn't love Uriah. What does love have to do with it? Nothing. And if there is one thing that we can say the Bible clearly tells us, is that for, for, for believers, our central primary motivation in everything we say and in everything we do is love. God loves us. God creates us in love. Do you ever realize that? I mean, uh, the doctrine of the Trinity, one of the affirmations of the Trinity that is within the loving bond within the Trinity, the triune God creates us out of love. God wants other people to love. And so, by the way, your very existence proves God loves you. (laughs) And so God loves us and what that means then, we love God and we, uh, this is the greatest commandments, right? The, the, we get this in ancient Judaism, Jesus says the greatest commandment. commandments are love the Lord your God with everything you got and love your neighbor as yourself. We love God because God first loved us and thus the motivation for everything we say and do must be love. Now, I'll be the first to confess don't always say and do everything out of love. And I think if we all examine ourselves, we'll admit that. Yeah, we're not always loving the way we should be. We're works in progress, right? And love demands among other things that we listen to the stories of others. And not be too quick to talk, <laughs> says the preacher who preaches for 20 minutes and speak talks for every week. Not to be too quick to talk and tell other people, no, that's not, that's not, no, that's not your story. That's, you're misinterpreting your experience as if somehow I know that, right? Love demands that we hear the stories of people who have not been able to tell their stories or whose stories have been ignored because just like Bathsheba, they're on the margins. They don't have the power. They don't have the influence. You know, one of the liberating things for me in reading the Bible, and I had to read it for several years before I realized this, but one of the liberating things for me as far as interpreting Scripture was when I realized that the 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 writers of the Bible are the marginalized people. They're the people on the the edges. They're not at the center. You know, even Israel at its height, there was a kingdom under Solomon, when they've got the most land they're ever going to have, when they've got the most wealth they're ever going to have, they're never close to even an empire. I mean, they're not like Egypt. They're not like Assyria. They're not like Babylon. I mean, in fact, they spend their entire history dealing with these empires that want to swallow them up. They're written by people who in the large picture don't have a voice, but yet they're in scripture, so today they have a voice. And even Jesus. Jesus is a Jew in the first century on the margins of society. He gets crucified as a criminal which means his story shouldn't have never been told because there are lots of people crucified whose stories have never been told. And yet, here we are, 2,000 years later, telling his story. If there is any group of people in the world who should want to hear the stories of other people who don't have the same experiences that we do, it should be Christians. Because we tell the story based on a book written by people on the margins, without influence, without power. There's lots of stories to be told today, friends. And we are in a context right now where there are people who haven't been able to tell their story for a long time. Or if they've told their story, they've been dismissed. And what we're seeing now is people, not just individuals, but groups of people, who now are saying, We want to tell our story. And we want to tell it as we've experienced it, not as you tell us we have to, we should have experienced it. That doesn't mean, by the way, my story or your story is less important. We still get to tell our stories. We should tell our stories. But we should also listen. Love demands for Christians that we listen to the stories of the Bathshebas of the world and everyone else who has not been able to tell that story. And why is that? Oh, because God wants to catch all of us up into his story, into the story of Jesus. And that's offered to everybody. So friends, your story matters. Your story matters. Tell your story. but let's listen to the stories that others want to tell us because the gospel is a story meant for everyone let's pray gracious God we thank you for the Bible it is your story and because of our faith and our journey it becomes our story Forgive us for not listening to the Bathshebas of the world or for just dismissing them or just telling them that their story is less important or, even worse, forgive us for when we've given them their story. May we not only speak the truth, but may we all be prepared to listen to the truth even when it makes us uncomfortable because we know our Lord and Savior that you not only said many wonderful comforting things in the gospels but you also said a lot of things that had a hard edge which were true Help us to be willing to seek for the truth in all things, including the truths that make us squirm. Help us to hone our hearing skills so that we may hear the stories of others. In Jesus' name, amen.